Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, this is Monday, and uh, something we're trying to do now on Mondays and then maybe again on Wednesdays is having some conversations about Sunday's message. Last week, we spent some time kind of dissecting our heaven message from last week and walking through uh, some things we couldn't cover on Sunday. And today, we just wanted to take some time and really kind of go through a few things about the rapture and about the end times and talk those through with you. And then, like I told you guys yesterday, if you have questions, if there are things that we aren't touching, again, there's so much. This is a very um, very broad subject. There's a lot to this subject when it comes to the rapture and times, second coming, mark of the beast, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you have questions that are very specific, please email them to us. Email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, at the letter R, church.life. Again, that's scott at rchurch.life. Email those questions and we will tackle as many as we can, uh, maybe again on Wednesday. And so uh, we just really want to be able to help you guys walk through some of these basic things, these foundational things. We really want you to understand and not live in fear. We talked about it yesterday. Not, we're not trying to live, make you live in fear. That is not at all our goal. Our goal is to help you understand what is to happen, that you have nothing to fear as a follower of God. You have nothing to fear as a child of God. That, that all the stuff in the future for us is good stuff. It's all good. So yesterday we are talking about the rapture and we were talking about, and what the rapture is, the rapture very simply is this, it's the catching away of the church in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, one will be taken, one will be left. And so God, Jesus will call his church home, whether it's in our lifetime or not, we don't know yet, Carl, do we? We're not predicting nope. dates today, nope. are we? No predicting dates today. <laughs> no dates today. Um, but that's in the in twinkling of an eye will be taken away. We talked about it yesterday. Why I am pre-trib, why we as a church are pre-trib doesn't mean that um, we're right. But we think we are, and but it doesn't end anything. But a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet will sound, the church will be raptured, be taken up, meeting Jesus in the clouds, and we'll spend seven years with him in heaven before we come back for the second coming, if we are alive when that happens. But I just wanted to give Carl some time this morning, or today even, just to be able to talk through some things that um, are on his heart when it comes to the end, when it comes to the rapture. Some things that as he was um, sitting there and listening yesterday, and, and you know, he spent about a year walking through Revelation, right, on Wednesday mm -hmm. nights. Yes. And so uh, uh, this is a topic that uh, he, he is very, very familiar with. So, Carl, what are some things that come to mind uh, when it comes to us and the church, uh, when it comes to the end, when it comes to what is to come? What are some things that kind of come to your mind right away? Well, there's a couple things I, I think we want to get into first is – Understanding this idea of a rapture, where, you know, where, where does that idea come from? Is Revelation the only place that, that anything similar is talked about? And what we find in Scripture is there are actually a couple of accounts where God has taken someone up to heaven from earth, and and it's been witnessed by others. Uh, one of the most, uh, you know, what I would call notable uh, examples of that is Elijah the prophet, mm -hmm. uh, where Elisha watched him being carried away in the whirlwind. And so we, we've seen that. We've seen Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, the disciples were standing there looking up, and the angels asked him, you know, what are you looking for? He's gone. Um, and so we've seen that example in Scripture. So this isn't just a new idea that's being put forth. It is a, a scriptural idea. One of the things we always find about Scripture is, is we can find those 
those references, we can find those explanations throughout Scripture. And so the best interpretation of things in the end times comes from other Scripture. Now, when we talk about the tribulation and the end times and the Antichrist, we also need to understand that's not just revelation. Uh, those things are discussed in the Old Testament books of prophecy as well. And so we're able to correlate. This is where the time frame that Scott put up on the screen yesterday, we're able to draw that based on the cross-referencing of these scriptures. So I want you to understand it's not just the book of Revelation. In fact, one of the things you find that's kind of a danger at times is there are cults that will come around and they'll take the book of Revelation and they will make ridiculous claims out of that. Uh, in fact, generally what ends up happening is the cult leader declares himself the Messiah and uh, never seems to end well. But here's the, the things that we as Christians really want to latch into. As Scott said yesterday, it's not about being fearful. In fact, for a Christian, the things I'm going to discuss with you here momentarily really are just to help you know the time and the season that you're in. In fact, that's one of the things that Jesus instructed us to be aware of was the season that we're in, to know the season, to be able to look at the signs of the times and just simply know where we're headed. Now, the importance for you and I as Christians is there are people all around us who still do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If today was the day that the church was raptured, they would be in store for some very horrific things. And one of the things that we explained yesterday is that we are in this church age, but it's also called the age of grace. And the understanding is that there are people who will come to know Christ in the tribulation because they're going to know him through judgment. Mm -hmm. We have the privilege of knowing him through grace. We're, we're not being... Uh, under punishment. We're not under duress because of our sin. God is not pouring out his wrath on our sin. We're experiencing grace because that was poured out upon Jesus at the cross. But when the rapture comes, the church is no longer present. It's no longer the witness in the world in this age of grace. And so that brings about this time of punishment. And just like our children, Often, you know, we, we meter out the discipline and our children correct their behavior. They return. And that really is God's heart. In fact, it's interesting throughout the judgments of the earth that are spelled out in Revelation, there's constantly a call to repentance. People are still being asked to turn, to, to return to God. And so we don't want to lose sight of that. And yet as a Christian, I have family members I have friends who I know are not walking with God, that, that I am fairly certain if today were the day, they would not be taken up. And so what that does is it gives me a reason to pray deeper, to think more, to, to have more conversations, to really share my faith with passion and with purpose and with intensity. But those are just some preliminary overview things we want to get into. I think there's, Scott, what we really ought to look at is, is some of our favorite questions that we tend to get. And so, so I'm going to kind of give you the top three. Real quick, though, real quick. Yeah. You, you mentioned two things I think are super, super important. One is you talked about looking at the totality of Scripture. 
I think when it comes to the end times, that's something that gets us in trouble huge. You pick one scripture out, and yes. then all of a sudden you base your whole foundation of your belief on the end on one scripture. That's right. And, um, and I, I think you guys you make sure you cut what he said, because you have to look at the totality of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. You have to look at what it says in the old and the new and, and see what the, all, the whole counsel of the word of God says about the end times. And so the other thing you were talking about, which, I, I, again, I, um, I loved how you put it, in the age of grace and then judgment. Um, growing up how I did, like I've told you guys yesterday, you know, in fear of the rapture, um, one of the things that and I had friends who would say after we watched, you know, the Left Behind series and everybody's all terrified and scared and having nightmares um, was, well, if I miss it, I'll just get saved during the tribulation as if it's going to be easier then. So one thing I want to point out to us, too, with the church, the church is here to support you, to love you, to care for you, the the Holy Spirit working in the lives of the church. It's not going to be easier to come to Christ after the church is gone. It's not. It's not going to be easier. So if you're one of those people watching this right now, you're like, well, you know, it's okay. I won't take the mark. I'll die for my faith. Well, if you can't live for your faith, it might not be that easy to die for your faith. So that's something where you have to get right with Christ now. Absolutely. One of the things Scripture even says is that during these times, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so the reality of I'm going to stand strong if that were me is really a farce. Yeah. Um, and that's something we need to understand. When we talk about being passionate for others, um, this is a horrendous time. And some of the things that I'm going to lay out for you today are some of the things happening in our world. And for those of us who are watching the times and seasons, there are reason to, to pay attention. Now, let me also preface with this. Every generation asks the question, <laughs> is, is it getting ready to happen? Yep. Those who went through the World Wars thought the same thing. Those who went through the Civil War thought the same thing. The early church, as they were under Roman persecution, mm-hmm. they were expecting it any day. Now, there's, there's a twofold piece to that. Number one, don't be surprised if, if you get through your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Number two, don't be surprised if you don't get through your lifetime. And the thing I always challenge people is, are you ready if today was the day? Mm-hmm. Are you at a place where, where you know you've had the conversations that need to be had, you've, you've said the things that need to be said, that if today were the day, there would be nothing left undone? One of my favorite scriptures dealing with King David at his death says he accomplished everything that was put before him in his generation. That's the question I think we have to ask ourselves. But that being said, let, let's talk through, I think, Scott, some, some of the main questions. So we're going to talk about the mark of the beast. Absolutely. <laughs> That's always a, a favorite one. Uh, <laughs> some of the other things that we often get asked besides the mark of the beast. Now, let's dig a little bit into there's, there's a question that comes about about the thousand-year reign. What mm-hmm. does that look like? Um, so we'll also talk about that. We'll also talk about the one world government mm-hmm. and the one world Money. monetary system. And and so those are some places that I think we'll start with, and then we'll just kind of go from there. So so one of the big questions that comes about is dealing with the mark of the beast, uh, the one world currency, the one world government. 
So first thing we always need to understand about Revelation, Revelation is just that. It is a revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to lose sight of Jesus in the midst of all of the things that are laid out in front of us. And that's one of my uh, pet peeves about people when I say revelations. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not trying to be just a nitpicker. It's the revelation of Jesus. That's right. It's not revelations. It's the revelation of Jesus. So if you're one of those shuns people, just know you drive me crazy because it's the revelation of Jesus. That's what revelation is about. Go ahead. Exactly. So the thing we have to remember about the devil is he's a deceiver mm -hmm. and he's a pretender. He is always going to try and copy or emulate the real thing. So, so let's start with the mark of the beast, and, and let's deal with the spiritual significance of that. One of the things that the scriptures teach us is that when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sealed mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. He becomes the mark upon us, mm -hmm. if you will, an identity mark or a brand. That's easy for us to understand here in Kansas. That's how we know who, who belongs to who. There is a mark, and that mark is the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the things you find in Revelation after the church is raptured, those who do come to faith in Christ during the time of tribulation are actually marked. Um, and that's an interesting thing. So what the devil does is he wants to mimic that. And so he begins to mark those who are his, the mark of the beast. Now, here's the thing that we learn from Scripture. The way that mark will come about is it will be a requirement for buying and selling. It will be a requirement to conduct day-to-day -day business. It basically will be a requirement of survival. And again, that's why Scripture is very adamant. If it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Uh, because there's going to be such a fraud brought upon humanity. What scripture tells us is at some point the Antichrist will receive a fatal wound. He will appear to resurrect. Uh, his false prophet will lead everyone to worship him, and it would be very easy to be deceived. Well, part of that loyalty, part of that allegiance is the mark. Now, here's being aware of the times and seasons. 2020 has been such an interesting year and one of the things that's being discussed is how do we verify who's been vaccinated with the COVID vaccination when that comes to life. And so a couple of the things that are being discussed right now is a digital health passport. And that digital health passport will carry all your health and vital statistics and all of those things. Well, the, the issue that comes with all digital information is safekeeping. How do you keep it from being hacked? Um, so if you're like most of us, your email's been hacked, your, you know, hopefully your charge accounts haven't, but a lot of people have been through that. So, so that the solution is that you biometrically chip the individual so that when you're going through this mobile passport or health passport process, they could scan the biometrics and know whether or not you've been vaccinated. Scott and I travel all the time. Our passports now are microchipped. They slide them into a scanner. It pulls up our picture, our fingerprints, everywhere we've been. It's something that we've been conditioned towards. And this is the thing that I'm, I'm wanting to really say to you when you're praying for the people who don't know Christ. You can see where we are being conditioned for things 
to come. We chip our dogs. Um, we're used to, you know, my phone operates off my fingerprint. My computer recognizes my face. Those things are in play. Now, here's the other thing that's coming about along those lines as well. Um, as you know, with COVID, we had a large stimulus that took place, $2 trillion added to our debt. Here's the problem that America in particular is facing economically at this point is the Federal Reserve has run out of things to stimulate the economy with. And so the next step that is being proposed, in fact, if you're interested, go research the Banking for All bill that's in the House of Representatives right now. And that is to eliminate the U.S. dollar and create a digital currency. Now, if you pay attention to what's happening in the world today, you have things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin. They are all digital forms of transactions. So ultimately what is being discussed is that each person will have a digital wallet. And that's where money will be deposited. That's how your buying and selling will take place. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure at some point somebody's going to go, wow, we could just put your health data, your financial data, your passport, whatever kinds of data is needed, put it on a chip, and then the next step is let's safeguard it, let's do it biometric. And so these are the things that you're seeing happen in our world, not things to be afraid of, but things that tell you, okay, we're a whole lot closer to Jesus coming back than we ever were. Absolutely. And I think that's a good, I think a good point is if, if he doesn't come in our generation, the next generation will be closer than ever before. Yes. Every generation is closer than ever before. If you talk to older saints, or maybe some of you are a little seasoned saints, um, you've heard you've heard this conversation for a long time. When America went off the gold standard, when um, checks came into play, when credit cards came out, now everything's on your phone. Everything about you is on your phone. You can just swipe your phone. You buy and sell, and so. Every generation has seen these things and said, oh, no, this is the mark. This is we're getting close to the mark. And I think the, the point is we are continually getting closer. We don't know when it's going to become what it is, um, but we're getting closer. So, Carl, my question to you then for all of us. So here we are. We're getting closer and closer. We see all this stuff happening. We see what's happening to our monetary system. I have a belief um, about where what happens to America in the end, because we're not really seen in the book of revelation, um, which makes me think we're not as strong as we are today. Um, and there's some, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but should we be fearful of this technology? Should we be fearful of these things? Um, we, we both of us have our smartphones out right here. Um, both of us, um, have, you know, we still travel with our, um, with our, uh, passports that are microchipped. We, we have all these things that we do. So what, what should our response be today? Well, the mark's not out, but we see it coming. We see the steps. What should be a good, healthy response from a, a follower of Jesus? You know, that, that's a great question because we also see different, uh, segments of Christian population respond differently. Mm -hmm. uh, there are groups that will go get a compound and uh, come off the grid, and we're just not going to be a part of that. But what Scripture really tells us to be is in the world but not of the world. 
what we're really taught to be is, is to be wise in those things. I think what we have to do is we have to notice where the road is headed, but I think in that, God also opens up opportunities for us that we don't get any other way. And, and when we think about this device right here, uh, for Scott and I, for sure, this has become one of the greatest tools for us to bring the gospel around the world. It's become one of the greatest ways for us to encourage and equip pastors. We've helped build churches off of this. We've helped make sure people are fed through this. Um, in fact, here with COVID, uh, we've been sending missions money to different pastors in East Africa and India. And a lot of the way we've had to do that is through this device. Now, I could either be afraid of it because it's I, I know it's taking me down the road, but the reality is God is always going to give us a, a solid purpose and the wisdom to know what to do with the time and the season. In fact, I think this is what's really critical is that we not be afraid of those things, but at every moment we be asking, Lord, what would you have me do with this situation? What would you have me do in this circumstance? and allow him to guide us. Because every generation has faced that. Things that they look down the road and they know scripturally we're not headed in a good direction. And yet at the same time, remember, the devil is a fraud. And he's going to take things and always turn their, their usefulness towards evil purposes. But we also have to look at how has God redeemed that opportunity? How can we make use of that? How can we make use of the situations that God has put in front of us? I think one of the things that's also important and Scott alluded to is one of the things that's going to change is nationalism. And although it may not change in this generation, we can already see we work globally. Um, even in my own business, uh, I work with people around the world on a daily basis we've become more of a global community. We're being conditioned towards that. And so when we talk about things like one world government, it's, it's kind of hard for us who've grown up as patriotic Americans and, and salute the flag to, to really fathom that. But when we look in scripture, we don't see a, an American named and the closest thing we see to that, it doesn't end well. And so I think we have to be aware that God is no respecter of persons. His kingdom, his purposes will always reign supreme. He's king of kings and lord of lords, and that's what the book of Revelation is about. It's about Jesus taking his rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords. The other thing that I think we need to, to understand about Revelation is Revelation lays out really a, a an intensifying set of judgments that come upon the earth as God is trying to grab a hold of men's hearts. And so when you see each of these plagues and these disasters taking place, it's for the purpose of bringing people into a right relationship with him. It is uh, likened to putting pressure on so that the heart will change. But with each one, there's always a call to repentance. And that's the thing we need to understand. God's nature never changes. Um, he is, even when we read these things and we go, boy, that's horrific. God is true to who he is. He's righteous. He's just. He's loving. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. And yet, 
He does not tolerate sin. The cross was all about sin. And we've discussed this many times in church, Scott. Nobody has to go through this. It's a choice. And I think that sometimes, Carl, we struggle with understanding that side of God, that part of God, because we are in the church age, the age of grace. Um, we read stories in the Old Testament. There's definitely lots of judgment. Um, we haven't seen that or experienced that really in our lives to the same extent. So it's hard for us to fathom this God being ju- judging us and being, I wouldn't say harsh at all, but being hard and saying, look, this is, I'm done with this. But we have to understand um, he is righteous. He will judge. There is grace, absolutely. There's mercy, absolutely. But if you reject him, eventually there will be judgment. And we have to understand that about God. Because God hasn't judged you yet in this moment doesn't mean he's okay with your sin. Doesn't mean he's okay with your poor choice. Doesn't mean he's okay with your rejecting him and not following him, not serving him. He's not okay with that. And I, and I think we struggle with that. And so we see the, the book of Revelation as something that's so contrary to how we want to view God in this church age, this grace age, but it's not. It's consistent with who he's always been. Look at the totality of scripture. There's always grace, but there is always judgment. Yes. And it could be delayed judgment, but there is both. And I and I think that's something you're kind of really pointing to mm-hmm. is that this 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 is a part of God and it will come. We as a nation, God has used America greatly to help spread the gospel around the world. But for us to say we're a Christian nation, I don't know how we can say that um, based upon how we as people are following God right now. Exactly. And so there will be judgment on us as a people because we are rebelling. We are we are pushing against God and his will and his way, and he will use us to further his kingdom. He will use us to further his gospel. But don't think because we're Americans that we're excluded from all of this. Exactly. You know, it's interesting when we talk about America, we're not really good students of history uh, because most empires only last a few hundred years, four to six hundred uh, is kind of the, the framework. Well, if you count backwards, um, we're kind of getting to the, the edge of that. But the other thing that I want to point out, um, when you read in Revelation, the seventh bowl is a climactic judgment on Babylon. And, you know, every generation tries to figure out who Babylon is. Unfortunately, in our generation, uh, Babylon very much match up to the United States. And, and here's the reason that I say that, is when the Babylon falls in Revelation chapter 18, the world mourns because Babylon is the world's consumer. It buys all the goods from everywhere else. Well, folks, we know we're the world's consumer. Um, flip over your television, your phone, there's probably not a U.S.-based manufacturer in half of your room. We would be that that nation at this point. Not saying it's going to be us, but just saying if if today were the day, we match up pretty well. Um, and so those are things to be aware of. Don't be so confident in America um, and let that supersede your confidence in the kingdom of God uh, because the kingdom of God is going to, to win out. Speaking of nations, though, we also need to talk about Israel. 
So another another time and, and seasonal thing we need to pay attention to. Uh, you may remember three years ago that the United States designated Jerusalem as the political capital for Israel. Uh, we moved our embassy there. Uh, there was some protest about that. Jerusalem is a hotly contested city. But we recognized Jerusalem as the political epicenter for the nation of Israel. One of the things that we find in Revelation is that Israel is a centerpiece, a focal point for much of what happens in the world. In fact, Mm -hmm. the Antichrist, his ultimate blasphemy is he seats himself in the temple and proclaims himself God. Now, that leads us to one of the things we're watching for. The temple in Jerusalem has not been rebuilt yet. However, there are already architectural plans drawn up, and it is ready to go at a specific time. In fact, there is a group of Levitical priests who still rehearse the sacraments and are ready to begin the sacrificial system once the temple is rebuilt. So these are the kinds of things that we pay attention to. So when the political climate shifted to Jerusalem, I paid attention. Uh, what I'm listening for is if if I hear that construction is starting, I'm probably going to watch the sky a whole lot more uh, than I have before. But the reason I say that, and this is important, in Christian circles, there are two doctrinal versions of end times, and one is called covenant doctrine, which believes that the church has replaced Israel in end times theology. Um, We don't teach that. We believe that there is a separate political promise for the nation of Israel apart from the church. And it is that promise that you see in Revelation. So you'll often hear people talk about the 144,000. Well, those are, are Jews who come to Christ, who are sheltered away in part of this tribulation time. But that's not referring to the church, although there are some people that come to your door on Saturday morning sometimes <laughs> that would like to tell you that, that you could be one of those. But there's millions of them, yes. so I don't know who makes it, who doesn't you, make it. The math doesn't work. No, no. <laughs> so, so next time they come, just ask, are you one of the 144,000, and how do you know? Uh, but here's the, the thing we want you to understand, is we don't really want to combine the church in Israel when we deal with end times theology. Granted, there there are there are things in God's covenants of grace that very much you can you can insert the church where the promise was originally made to the nation of Israel. As a kid, I grew up singing, "Father Abraham had many sons." That Abrahamic covenant is part of it. The the covenant of David that your offspring will rule and reign for eternity. We partake in that. But when we deal here with the book of Revelation, we really are dealing with political, geopolitical Israel, and we need to make that distinguishment. Uh, but that is going to be an epicenter. And so one of the things that's been happening, if you've noticed, probably about the last eight weeks, there's been an announcement of several peace treaties with the nation of Israel around the Arab Gulf. Uh, the United Arab Emirates signed one. Um, I think Qatar signed mm-hmm. one. There have been several nations in that region starting to sign those. Again, those are things we want to pay attention to. And that brings us to really the other question that comes around a lot. Is the Antichrist alive today? Here's the answer. I don't know. (laughs) Scott doesn't know. (laughs) However, if we look at what's happening 
in our world today and how quickly technology moves mm -hmm. and how quickly geopolitical climates move, then that's a high possibility. And it's something that, that I think we do pay attention to. Who, who is on the rise? Um, if, if it's in this next generation, uh, they may be a young person, they may be an adult, who knows. Thing is, we're not going to be here for that. But what we need to understand is those things are already at work. And that's the, the thing I want to keep driving home and driving home and driving home. If we say we care about the people around us that and things are in motion, then we really have a responsibility and a burden to be praying for those individuals, to be really crying out for their lives, crying out for their futures, because this is not going to be a good time. That's, uh, that's the interesting thing for me, Carl, is that when you look at people who um, are end times freaks, like they just, they're all about the end times and they're studying it and they're consumed by it. And a lot of them are living in fear of it, preparing for it, all these kinds of things, looking, watching, oh, this person's the antichrist or this thing. I think we're missing the entire boat of what you just said, because we got instructions of what we were supposed to do until he returns. And it wasn't to prepare yes. for the tribulation. Yes. We got instructions. And the instructions are pretty clear. We were still to be about the fathers, but still to work, still to do, still to to be who God created us to be. And I think that's something that gets us off balance a lot. And that's what you know, that, that's kind of a shortcoming of us as Christians a lot of times is we take something which is good and we highlight it to a place it never should be of importance into our life. And then we get out of balance. Yes. And so I, I love the end times conversations. Yeah. Like I really do. Um, we, we can have great conversations and discuss. And well, if the devil doesn't know that when, when the time's coming to, does he always have an antichrist ready? Does he always, I mean, that, that's a fun conversation. It's fun. It changes absolutely nothing. That's right. But it's fun. But we don't, we get so consumed sometimes by this stuff that we miss what we're supposed to be doing. And I, and I love what you just said. Like this should, this should compel us to pray. This should compel us to 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 share the gospel. It should compel us to share our testimonies. This, the fact that Jesus is returning, the fact that people, two hundred fifty thousand people are dying every single day in the world, should compel us for the gospel's sake. And we get so consumed with, you know, what, what am I going to do? How? Oh, when this person takes control, and this. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Tomorrow's the election. I mean, I, we care, but ultimately, I'm an alien. You're an alien. Mm -hmm. This is not our home. That's right. Ultimately, this is not my home. Ultimately, God is in control. Ultimately, I, I'm a citizen of heaven, ultimately. And, and so whatever happens, it happens, and we're going to be okay. But we got to be consumed with the things that, that, that God gave us instructions for. And it's not just to identify an antichrist, or it, it is to be about his mission until he returns. Absolutely. And, and I, I haven't seen many people who are super, super consumed by this really be consumed by the gospel. Exactly. And and we have to watch. These are fun conversations. Have them. Debate debate about them in fun ways. Like talk. It's it's great. It's a lot of fun. But at the end, it has to push you towards the gospel. It has to. If not, it's out of balance. Absolutely. A couple of things that I think we want to, you know, kind of hit into is as we 
wrap up. So as you're as you're journeying, remember Revelation is is chronological. Mm-hmm. So the, the rapture occurs. There is seven years of horrific tribulation. We know that halfway through that, Moses and Elijah are actually returned to the earth and they proclaim the gospel. Uh, they are killed and left out publicly, and then they resurrect <laughs> on live television, CNN coverage, if you will. And that's and not so, fake news, by the way. That's not fake news, <laughs> but it'll probably be listed as fake news. Um, so, so we want to understand that this is a time that is void of Christian witness. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the part: I, I don't want to scare you, and, and yet I kind of want to sober you up a little bit. You've just come through three months where you weren't allowed to go to church. You may have not been allowed to go to work. Um, wondering if you were going to survive this courageous disease that might kill all of us in any minute. And I believe there are times where God gives us a fire drill. <laughs> a glimpse. A glimpse. Absolutely. You know, I was a kid. I grew up in, in Ponca City, Oklahoma. So tornado drills, which I never understood, go sit in the hall and stick your head, you know, between your legs. How that was going to protect us, who knows? And fire drills. Um, we did those all the time. Why? So that we would be ready. We would know what to look for, what to listen for. And, and really, one of the concerns Scott and I have talked about before, I'm saddened that I see so many quote-unquote Christians returning to their old habits and patterns. This, this last three months didn't shake them up enough. And my, my concern for you is if you're kind of waffling around, what is it going to take to get your attention? You know, that's what these judgments are all about. People, people are cursing God and ignoring God, and so he ratchets up the pressure. And that's my concern for you. If, if you've gone back to your old patterns and you've put God on the shelf and he's second place, and yet you're worried about this stuff, maybe you need to put things in the right order. And, and put God first. And, and, you know, Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things that you worry about, they'll be added to you. They're, they're just going to fall into place. But here's, here's what we need to understand. So, so the rapture happens. Horrific, horrific, horrific judgment upon the earth. And then there's the second coming. And, and Scott alluded to this yesterday, and even in Restoration U, I, I had some people scratching their head going, okay, now how's that different from the rapture? <laughs> so so let's simplify this. The rapture, Jesus is in the sky, and we meet him in the air. Mm-hmm. The second coming, he puts his feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. And that ushers in a thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Now, again, this is one of those theological debates. There are some Christians who go, no, that's all figurative. We don't believe that. We don't teach that. It's a thousand years. Mm-hmm. The devil is chained up and locked away for those thousand years, and Christ reigns. Now, here's the interesting part. And at first, you go, "Well, why would he do that?" After a thousand years, he's actually released for a while, and in that little time, he winds up enough people that we have a final battle where the devil faces off against Jesus. And we know how that all ends. In the end, the devil gets thrown into the lake of fire. Um, and those who are with him as well. There's the, the final judgment. And so this is one of the things that sometimes with salvation we don't fully understand. The day I ask Jesus into my life and I say, here's my life, I give it to you, we like to say I'm saved. Eh, that's true. 
But I don't fully realize that salvation, the, the full effect of that salvation, until I stand before God. Yeah. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And that's what that, you know, remember I, I talked in the beginning, the Holy Spirit seals us. That's what that seal is. That's the, that's the uh, stamp of admission, if you will, that, that you are his, you've been redeemed, you've been bought and paid for, you're purchased. Uh, there is no further debt owed. And yet there are going to be people who go to that same place of judgment. Lord, Lord, didn't I go to church? Didn't, didn't, I, didn't I give to the Boy Scouts? Didn't I help little old ladies across the street? Depart from me, I never knew you. You worker of iniquity. And that's the thing that, again, we need to understand. You know, we're, we're so concerned about how horrific the judgments are. <laughs> Those pale in comparison, eternal damnation and separation from God. And that's ultimately what has to compel us. I don't want my worst enemy to have to go through that. Yeah. I don't want anybody to have to go through that. And, you know, Revelation is a special blessing. In fact, that's what the, the book says. John wrote, those who read it, it's a special blessing. We don't get hung up on, man, you know, the blood was this deep, and that's horrific, and big hailstones. And uh, No, what it is is Jesus Christ puts an end to a corrupt and dying world. He puts things into their right place. He takes his rightful place upon the throne. The new heaven and the new earth, as they were intended, come into being. And we spend eternity with him. What a, what a glorious thing. When Paul talks about, I, I've run my race and obtained the prize, that's the prize. But you know, the thing that, that always interests me about Revelation in chapter 4 the picture of the throne room, the elders have their crowns of righteousness upon their heads, but when the angels begin to worship, the elders take off their crowns and they put them at his feet. And so that thing that we've worked all our life for, that reward pales in comparison to being with Jesus. Oh, Jesus is here. I'm, I'm just going to set this right here. And that's the thing I want us to come away with. You know, when we look at what's happening in our world today, it's, it's nothing to be fearful of, but we need to be wise. We need to be looking at what are the opportunities God is giving us. Because the truth is, if it's not our generation, you and I are responsible for laying the right foundation for the generation behind us. I told my kids a, a few weeks ago, I said, you know, I feel like I'm building an ark. I just don't know what it looks like and who it's for. And I think that's the perspective we have to take. Yes, Lord, I will put my hands to whatever it is you call me to because I know the seasons are changing and they're changing rapidly. And I may not be able to see exactly what it is you have me working on today, but I know it's important. Yeah. And, and so the things we do today are so important. Uh, the things that we're using as excuses for not doing the things we need to do today. We just can't afford to be... Uh, haphazard in those things. So those are some thoughts I have, Scott. Yeah, and I, I think we just have to understand, again, there's nothing to fear. Uh, and I, I, I know when you were talking about a thousand years and you know the devil being released again, people started picking up their ears, well, can I, can I fall again? Can I sin again? Can I? No, 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 you're sealed. 
You're sealed. Till the day of judgment, you're sealed. You're fine. You're going to make it. But we, we, we have to live for God. We have to. We have to. We're not earning anything. We're not trying to deserve anything. But we have to live for him. And guys, I know this world is all consuming. I know these stinking things don't ever stop buzzing. I, I get that. I understand that. I know our schedules are full, but we have to be about the Father's business too. We have to. Everywhere we go, we have to. I look at our church right now, Carl. You know, at Restoration, here we are. We we probably have maybe about 40% of our people who haven't returned physically yet from covid we have so many visitors every single week. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, we talked about it today in our elders meeting. If 20% of our people who who were physically here before COVID come back right now, we wouldn't have anywhere to put them in second service. First service, we have some space. Second service, we wouldn't. And, and, and what are we doing different? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. We're not advertising differently. We're not. It's there's trouble happening and we're preaching the word of God. Yes. Here we are. Here's a, here's this time where people are like, okay, you know what? I, I don't need another series to make me feel good, to motivate me. Like, man, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm afraid. I need God right now. And his word never returns void. That's right. Guys, we cannot wait for another 9-11, another, another pandemic to get us serious about God. We've got to get serious and stay serious and let him use us. I'm telling you, I, there's people that I love dearly. I do not want to be separated from God. I know you do too. And you know, the, here's the truth is this people in my life, I probably can't reach. But as I reach somebody else's family member, I reach somebody else's friend, I pray that somebody will reach mine. And the Holy Spirit's there and he's empowering us and he's using us. We have to stop living in fear because fear paralyzes us and we must be mobilized. We must be energized, not for a political party, not for a job promotion. Those are all fine. but We got to be energized and mobilized for the kingdom of God. We have to. We have to. Every trial is an opportunity. Every trial is an opportunity. So what opportunities unveil us right now in the end of 2020? We love you guys so much. Thank you for spending some time with us. Again, if you have some questions, email me at scott at ourchurch.life, and we will do the best we can to um, answer some of those. We're going to do these as often as we can. Just want to have more opportunities to be able to interact with you guys. We hope to see you guys soon. Thank you.